The reading is taken from John chapter 15 and starting at verse 18. The world hates the disciples. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the counsellor comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you, will, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Good morning. You will have noticed in the service so far that there is a theme. You will have picked it up from the Bible reading. You will have picked it up from what Mark said to the children. And the theme is persecution. Now, when I was asked to lead prayers of intercession this morning, it can be difficult to get minds to think about those who are going through rough times far away. There is a tendency to think, well, they're away out there, and we're here. So how do we pray for them? Well, I received an email on Friday from the Bible Society and it's going to help illustrate uh, what I want to do. But firstly, I want you to think about how you came to church this morning. You got into your car. You arrived here. Hopefully you were greeted at the door. Um, after a number of minutes, the doors of the church are closed, possibly locked, possibly not. There might be the odd tour of the car park to make sure everything's okay. But we're here and we're in fairly relaxed being. 
Now, the email I got from the Bible Society is entitled Ministry in the Midst of Danger. What I'm going to do is for a couple of, couple of minutes, I'll just read this and then we will pray about various countries who are going through persecution at the minute. So this is Ministry in the Midst of Danger. Running the Bible Society in Pakistan is a risky business. But it doesn't stop Anthony Lamuel from sharing God's work and strengthening the church in a place where Christians are a persecuted minority. Anthony arrives at the head office of the Bible Society, passes through steel or passes the steel reinforced concrete planters which prevent cars from ramming the building. He notes the 16 CCTV cameras circling the building, walks through an airport-style scanner and down a narrow 10-foot corridor lined with steel-reinforced doors. In the reception area, he greets security staff who have guns slung over their shoulders and he stretches out his arms to be frisked while someone searches his bag. The Bible Society's bookshop in Karachi was attacked 10 years ago. The government there wants to protect freedom of worship and needs to show that it's taking action against terrorists, as well as helping to install the security measures at the Bible Society head office. The authorities dispatch two police officers every week to stand guard over Anthony's church. The armed officers sit in the tower at St Andrews in Lahore during services, and visitors are questioned before entering. Let me be honest, says Anthony, who has led the work in Pakistan over 20 years. In the back of the mind, the fear is always there. In the jungle, you have wolves and tigers. But the rabbit has to come out of its hole sometime. I think it's a lovely quote. He says, in the back of the mind, the fear is always there. In the jungle you have wolves and tigers, but the rabbit has to come out of its hole sometime. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the 40,000 Bibles that are sold from the Lahore shop every year. We praise you for the efforts being made to strengthen the church by the production of children's Bibles, study Bibles, and Sunday school resources. We pray in particular for the work done to assist in adult literacy and to help young mothers to read the Bible to their children, thereby bringing light to the whole family. PCI this week has asked us to direct our thoughts 
to the countries of South Sudan and China. In South Sudan, we pray for the 1.5 million people who have fled the country since 2013, and a further 2 million people who have been displaced within the country itself. In particular, we pray for the resulting food shortages and that humanitarian relief from organizations such as Christian Aid and Tear Fund will get to where it is needed. We pray that the warring political factions will have the will to work for lasting peace and that the Presbyterian Church of South Sudan will have the wisdom to guide these factions in the ways of peace. We also want to pray for the persecuted Christians in China and we give thanks for the real hunger that they have for God particularly amongst students. We pray for PCI's links with the Amity Foundation, which promotes health, education, and welfare in China, and that the church will continue to grow as those persecuted reach out in Christ's name. As a church, we also want to pray for Rwanda, we want to give thanks for the progress of the gospel in that country, which has endured much tribal persecution. Bless the efforts that are being made to establish firm relationships between Bloomfield and the church in Gilgal. And we give thanks for the recent visit by Neil McDougall to that area. We also want to lift the victims of our own troubles before you this morning. And we pray for heal, ongoing healing for victims and for the families of those victims. Your word to us this morning refers to the persecution suffered by your son. And we know from the book of Isaiah that he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Help us as we study the book, The Amazing Cross, in our home groups to realize that the punishment that was on him has brought us peace and that by his wounds we are healed. Help us to live such distinctive lives in his service that we will stand out from society. And thank you, as the kids have sung this morning, that you have sent the spirit of truth to empower us to testify about you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, in our consecutive series of studies in John's Gospel in the mornings, Damien preached on John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. And it's a lovely passage, 
And I know that many people were blessed through it because uh, I've heard from, from them and from other people. It's about the mutual indwelling of Jesus in us and of us in Jesus, the abiding in him and he abiding in us. It's to do with the fruit, the, the branch and divine and the joy of being fruitful to God. It's about the, the love which uh, Jesus received from the Father. He's sharing with us, whom he doesn't call slaves, but he calls friends. And the encouragement which he gives us to love one another. And it, such a passage lifts our hearts. And the passage ends in verse uh, 17, and you, I think you'll find it helpful to follow this. Uh, Jesus says, this is my command, love each other. And then immediately he goes on. No verse divisions, no verse numbers, no uh, paragraph headings, none of that. That's all to help us now to understand, but none of that's in the original. He says, love one another. And the next sentence, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. This is much heavier. Uh, Damien sort of half apologized before he went off that it was my turn. Yeah, why do I get, maybe I don't get them all the time. But, but, but it's not an easy passage. And in every passage as we turn to it, we need God's help. So let's pray. Lord God, who gives us passages that lifts our hearts and gives us messages that cause us to be thoughtful. Help us this morning to hear your word and to respond as you speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are at the stage in our Lord's career. Within 24 hours, he will be crucified. Within 24 hours, he will be executed by the Roman authorities uh, at the request, almost the demand, of the general Jewish leaders and indeed the crowd. The disciples who have professed their faithfulness to him and their courage to be with him will all have gone, at least all the men. The women stayed a bit closer. And it, he will predict and tell them of the future, of the gift of the Spirit, of how they will be empowered to go and bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, but it won't be without persecution, trial, and testing. And so he seeks to pre prepare them. The last few verses of our passage, uh, chapter 16, he says, all this what we're going to look at in a moment, I have told you so that you will not go astray. 
so that you'll not be scandalized, so that you'll not stumble and go back in your faith. And he spells out what will happen to them. It won't precisely happen to us because our circumstances are different. But what does he say? He says, look, you'll be put of your synagogue. The early Christians continued to work in the synagogue until they were expelled. A time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Can you see that verse 2 of chapter 16? Well, we hear that now with uh, ISIS and some jihadi terrorists. They murder in the name of God, and we find that shocking. But it's not new. It's not new. Our generation isn't the first to uh, suffer in this way from difficulty getting my teeth around this, religious fanatics and murderers in what blasphemy in the name of their God. He says, I've told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I didn't tell you this at first because I was with you, but you're going to be left for a while on your own before the Spirit comes, and I'm preparing you. We will not be expelled from synagogues. We don't go to synagogues, but we don't know what lies ahead, and so we study this passage from verse uh, 17. And it it follows <clears throat> a passage earlier, the verses earlier, which are stress, among other things, the, the love of God. And before I want to look at the details of these verses, I just want to say a, a few preliminary things about love. I was in Tesco's two days ago, and I picked up a freebie which is Tesco's uh, magazine, and I picked it up because it said, share the love. And I thought, uh-oh, illustration for the sermon. Now, it was all about cooking and how to make pink things to go on tables and St. Valentine's Day and all of that. But I did drag it in as an illustration. Did you notice? Yeah. Uh, and in this past week when we've had St. Valentine and... Uh, roses and cards and yes I hope Ruth's not listening because they haven't been near our house for a long time but we can be a bit our view of love can be very sentimental and superficial and I want to say just two things one there's no loving without leaving and two, there's no loving without losing. There's no loving without leaving. For this reason, we read in the book of Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Loving involves leaving. It, it involves, to put it a different way, a new range of relationships. 
a new range of relationships. Your relationship with your parents changes, whether you're a woman or a man, when you get married. They're still your parents, but the relationship is slightly different. It's different. When you get married, you get new relationships. I married into a dynasty of medical, athletic Christians. It took them a long time to figure me out. <laughs> it's an enriching experience, and I'm glad none of them are here. Uh, but but, but uh, we, we have, it, it, it's a whole different ball game, and they understood what ball games was. Their problem was I didn't, but th th there we are. It, 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 love, there's leaving. And there's loosing. The, the essence of true love is finding our center, not in ourselves, but in our beloved. That's the essence. Losing our own independence. <clears throat> in uh, the first couple of months of married life, can't remember the date, I remember the incident. Uh, I uh, was down in Belfast, we were living on the north coast. I was down in Belfast uh, at some meeting. It ran on uh, into the evening and I had to call and see my mother on the way home and I called and it was late. And she said, well look, it's so late, why don't you stay for the night? And I said, okay, I'll stay. And uh, so I stayed. At about 12.30, we got a phone call, which was Ruth saying, uh, are you not coming home? I had forgotten to tell her. <laughs> yes, I've never done that again. <clears throat> not recognizing that your center isn't in yourself but it's in someone else. And that's a, an example of, of the, the love of the Savior who he has for us. Our center isn't in ourselves, but is in him. And so, to turn to these verses more specifically, he says, look, if the world hates you, verse 18. Keep this in mind. It hated me first. And then he goes on to give a, a number of reasons why Christians then and now, disciples of Jesus, will find opposition, indeed hatred, the, verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. Reason one, we do not belong here. We do not belong here. This world is not my home. 
I'm just a passing through. I won't break into song, but that was a chorus I was brought up on. And the scriptures tells us we are strangers and pilgrims. We are aliens, people who live in a foreign land. And it warms us. Yes, we're in this land. We have to live here. We have to serve Christ here. We have to serve the wider community here. But in the final analysis, we do not belong here. I don't know if you know the name Tim Farron. No, I didn't think so. He's the leader of the Lib Dems in England. <clears throat> He's uh, an evangelical Christian. And when he was one of the candidates for the, uh, the post, uh, the new leader for the Lib Dems, serious questions were asked. What about whether an evangelical Christian could really be the leader of one of the national political parties? Because he might have some very strange ideas. His worldview might be different from the worldview that is commonly accepted now. Now, I don't know how he resolved that, but that got me thinking. Many of you are probably like me. Your, ver your worldview doesn't fit very easily into the one that's being strongly promoted uh, in the media, uh, who I, I'm not condemning them like a certain American president, uh, but generally. And what's that? Well, just to sketch it in. I believe that the basic building block of society is the family. Man and woman and children can be extended wider than that. But the basic building block of, uh, of society is the family. And if we weaken family ties, I don't think that will improve things, and I think the evidence is that that will make things worse, greater sadness, greater pain, greater insecurity. We see it all around us in so many different homes, and we are to seek to help and support and care where family breakdown takes place. In the Republic of Ireland and in the rest of the UK, the family and those, uh, the eligibility for marriage, that is being redefined. It has been redefined. Now, my view is that that will weaken the family. It's changing the family and that will not uh, add to the grand sum of human happiness. That's part of my worldview, which is based on the teaching of Jesus, on the scriptures, on the uh, consistent tradition of the Christian church up to uh, a, a short time ago. 
And for that, I think we will be more and more ostracized. It's not going to be a problem for me. Nobody worries about what uh, um, a Presbyterian cleric in his mid-70s thinks he's losing his memory. Nobody worries. But it may affect you, and it will certainly affect your children and your grandchildren. The world hates us because we don't belong. The world hates us because, in verses 20 and 21, it, it, it hated Jesus. Remember the words I spoke to you, Jesus says, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus speaking, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, because of the name of Jesus, because we are following him and the world hates him. I'm very impressed with Stephen Fry. You'll know him. Very impressive individual, urbane, witty, articulate, with a, a, an astronomic, enormous intellect and intelligence. But I've heard him on the radio lambasting Christians and Christ with a vehemence which simply astounded me. And not only Fry, um, I listened to the Radio Force satire and have I got news for you. Sorry, it's a time of confessing sins. Uh, and the satirists all have a go. Well, I'm exaggerating. Many of them have a go at Jesus. The world doesn't like Jesus. And it won't like us. And thirdly, verses 22 and 23, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. If I hadn't come, says Jesus, they wouldn't be guilty of sin. Now, he's not saying if he hadn't come, they would be, lead absolutely perfect lives, because we know they didn't and don't and won't. What he's saying is, if I hadn't come, if I hadn't spoken to them, if I hadn't uh, done miraculous things in their sight, well, then they wouldn't have had the opportunity of following me, and they rejected me. You look at the religious leaders in the Gospels. In the early chapters of Mark, what do we see? We see time and again, Mark tells us, Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and the authorities sat and watched to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And he did. And what do we read? They went out and they took counsel how they would kill him. 
And sometimes it's not comfortable having a saint next to you. Why? Because it exposes your sin. People don't like good people to be too close to them. It makes them uncomfortable. And so Jesus says, look, I'm telling you so that you don't go astray. There's trouble down the line and the world will hate you. And then he mentions moving from hate to help. And this is only a couple of verses. He refers in verses 26 and following that the Holy Spirit will come when the counselor, the paraclete, the strengthener, the supporter, the encourager, when the Holy Spirit comes, sent from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he will bear witness and he will help us bear witness. And then as we move into uh, next Lord's Day's passage, will that help will develop. Our passage ends there, but I can't end there. Just let me end by referring to the final uh, verse of the next chapter, 16. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, and there's no escaping it, but take heart. I have overcome the world, and with that confidence, we can go forward in faith, in hope, and in great joy. Let us pray. Lord, we grasp those passages and those gospel truths that give us great encouragement, and we bless you for them. Help us to heed those passages which prepare us for difficulties, though they are not so pleasant to think about, and graciously give us the confidence to trust in him who said, take heart, I have overcome the world, even Jesus Christ, our Lord.